Welcome to Monster Porn, Weird Fiction and Horror Podcast. The podcast that once mistook a book of Lovecraft for a book on the craft of love. Probably explains a lot, actually. Today's story is The Update by Matt Cummins. Monsterbaiters, Matt here. Man, there's been a lot of bad news this week. I've got to take a moment away from the show to say that if you are a psychotic and murderous lunatic, please go sign up for the Mars Colonization Project. I hear there will be all the guns you could ever want. It'll be like a giant paintball competition with extra owie paintballs. They'll sting just a little bit more than usual, but hey, if you want to be the last man standing, there's no better place to be a complete piece of shit than on another planet. Uh, there. That's my attempt at a sentimental PSA. It won't take future alien archaeologists long to figure out why our Mars colony failed, will it? Uh, sorry, Brett. I just felt like something had to be said. I should probably acknowledge that we, well, I was talking about the mass shootings this week. Well, you're welcome for the referrals, Elon. Matt, how are we doing for Apple Podcast reviews? Uh, not, not too bad. Uh, we had a Particularly good review come in this week, a uh, five-star review from Zazana Satana Zaza. I'm pretty sure they just hijacked our airspace to try to summon something. Uh, anyways, it says, a monstrously good time. After exhausting all the pleasures this world has to offer, the Monster Porn Podcast is one of the few things that still gets me hard without the hassle of jumper cables or ordering illicit pharmaceuticals from Malaysia. You're welcome for that boner, Zaza. (laughs) Well, as I've said before, we're not actually porn, but if we happen to get you off, you're welcome. And before we get to the show, please remember to subscribe, rate, and then review. Here's the deal, Monsterbaiters. Recently, we've been accused of pandering for reviews. Monsterbaiter Slitterus called us on it, and we appreciate the feedback. Because we're ignoring it, and we're doubling down. If we're going to pander, by God, we're going to pander hard. So, in your review, tell us what we have to do to earn that review. And we will try our best by God to earn it. Whether it's 50 push-ups or... You realize that people are going to have us jumping off the Washington Monument and landing on a dick, right? Well, where there's a will, there's a way. On to the show! Wait, no will, no way. Only Brett would call me for emergency help from the library. Well, here's the musty old section. He's bound to be here somewhere. Matt! Oh, thank Erish Kigal, you're here! (laughs) That must be a good book. It's practically on your face. It is on my face! Forget your cheater glasses, did you? My eyes do not cheat, Matt. They're honest and upstanding. Now cut the ad hominems and help me out with this, will you? What do you mean? Oh, shit! It's attached to your face, isn't it? It's biting my face, Matt. Must be a gripping book. Couldn't put it down. Here. Oh, man! Yep, that's it. Give it a good tug. You could have said that quieter. Ha, you got it. Thanks, Matt. Man, that book was angry. What did you do to it? Nothing. It leapt right off the shelf. Dare I ask what arcane sorcery or creeper nonsense you're researching back here? Somewhere in this library, there's an ancient Sumerian book containing the mysteries of one of the great gods. Which god is that? Flying Spaghetti Monster. Can you help me find it? It's here somewhere. (laughs) The Postonomicon. Oh, you know it? I was joking. By the mad Italian, Alhazred Sauce. All this taco spaghetti has my tummy rumbling. Huh. Wait. No. Oh, Enki's great penis plot. My stomach's getting upset. Ah, I feel... Matt, I gotta lie down. 
Brett, are you, uh... Oh my god, what's going on? This is getting pretty intense. Time to turn the hat around backwards. There we go. Okay, now I'm ready. What is happening? Why is his shirt bulging out like that? Oh my god, uh, something's bursting right out of his stomach. Oh god, I got blood in my mouth. <laughs> Holy shit, a book burst out of his chest. Brett, Brett, are you dead? I've been dead since episode 19, as the attentive listener will know. But yeah, I'm pretty dead. What does the book say? It's, it's a story, and it goes like this. Sunlight came through the glass as Clementine watched the ground grow distant. The man next to her took out a handkerchief and blew his nose. Instinctively, she stepped to the far corner away from him. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, she said. Oh, no worries. I still do it, too. Reflexes seem to be bred too far into our makeup yet. But don't worry about me. I'll be okay when I get to my office. I don't want to clear myself until I've had an update. Yes, I see. Clem said and looked down at the floor, with an embarrassed tinge of red in her cheeks. The elevator stopped. Well, good day, ma'am, the man said as he stepped off the elevator and shouted over his shoulder. And go, chiefs! Clem didn't have the chance to say anything in response. She may have yelled something about the Wyoming Warhawks if she'd had a chance, but it was too late. The elevator came to a stop at the 13th floor and Clem stepped out and walked across a long and narrow white platform. It looked like it was floating in space, but Clem knew that was ridiculous. She walked across it every day. There was a barrier keeping her from falling to the floor below if she were to lose her balance, but it was entirely invisible to her. Good morning, Miss Appleby, a tall woman with red hair said. She wore red lipstick and had a white bandana tied fashionably around her neck, mended her bluish-gray skirt suit. Will you be having the usual latte? She asked with a smile. Yes, Clem said, giving the woman an appraising look. The new bots were indistinguishable from humans on first glance, but she still thought there was a bit of vacancy to their mannerisms that you could feel more than flat-out see. Here you are. Enjoy your day, please, the woman said, her expression resetting as the next patron approached. Hello, Mr. Smith. Please, Maggie, call me Tom, the man coming down the platform said to the woman with red hair. Would you like to change the settings, sir? The woman asked. Uh, Yes, Maggie, if you weren't attached to this platform, I'd probably like you better than my wife. Settings changed. How many shots of espresso would you like this morning? Clem stepped into her office and took a seat at her desk. Her papers were a bit out of order as she sat and shuffled through them. She turned to the display that was projected into the air in front of her and put her hand up to it. Good morning, Clem. A voice came from a small slot in the desk where the speakers were hidden. Good morning, Jim. How many emails did I receive last night? Clem asked. Ah, yes. Well, it was a fairly busy night, but not much more than usual. You received 237 emails most of which were about the upcoming halftime advertisement. How many were you able to answer? Clem asked. I answered 226 of them with the instructions that you left me. I was unable to answer 11 of them because we haven't received the final numbers from the IT department on the design work for the last three seconds of the ad. Hopefully they'll come in under budget and you will be able to attend the big game in a worry-free manner, the computer said. I'll still worry. Ah, but perhaps you can enjoy a nice cold beverage. I hear that helps, but not being capable of having one myself, I can't recommend it with complete confidence. Thank you, Jim. Ah, Maybe someday you'll get a beer button. The machine laughed and then said, It was my pleasure, Clementine. Now I've notified Mr. Woolston of your arrival, but his schedule shows that he's unavailable today. It looks as though we've dodged the bullet, Clem. All should be smooth sailing until the weekend if those numbers come in. 
Now, we have another issue with our Unity application. It appears as though the users on our network have shown a slight dislike for the current sleep cycle. Some of them are saying that though they think our neural linkage is working just fine and are happy that they are able to upload all of the current information they need to stay in touch and up to date, they are concerned that we're giving them too much melatonin too soon. 85% claim they are satisfied, but there are still some who complain that they are waking up feeling too groggy. The suggested course of action would be to increase cortisol. As you are aware, Mr. Wilson has decided that you should handle the decisions on the Unity application. What are your thoughts? <sighs> of course he has. Well, I think that we should allow the users to set their own amounts. Ah, yes. But as you know, the company believes this would lead to an almost certain abuse by some of our less responsible users. I know, I know. Let's try a 3% boost in cortisol and have it release 5 minutes earlier in the sleep cycle. That way they can still sleep right up to the alarm if they wish, but their body will be slightly more awake. Wise as ever, Clem. I am glad to be working with you. Thanks, Jim, Clem said and added with an odd feeling of sincerity. I am glad to be working with you, too. One more thing, Clementine. It looks like we've got another one of those pesky emails. I don't know how they are making it through the filters, but we just can't seem to shake them. I've checked with the programmers, and they said not to worry about it. They are simply messages, but don't contain anything harmful to the system. Would you like to view this one? Sure, Clem said as a message folder opened on her display. There was a simple image of a chalice containing a single flame and the words, Corruption of the temple is a pestilence. No penance for the wicked. Oh, Jesus, Clem said. What's that supposed to mean? That is supposed to mean that some people are wackadoos who have too much time, Jim replied. So, you're getting to go to the big game, Lester said from behind her. He put his coffee cup into the trash can. Man, I wish I could get tickets like that. You live in the dream job, Blondie. Clementine pushed one of her dirty blonde locks behind her ear. She was only supposed to be Mr. Woolston's secretary, but she found herself being put in charge of projects that should be above her pay grade. It could be terribly stressful, but she seemed to have a knack for operating under pressure. When the projects went well, she received generous bonuses. This time, she was getting to go to the Super Bowl to see the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Wyoming Warhawks. It was the first time that the Warhawks, the 40th team to join the league, had ever made it to the big game. There would be over 200,000 people in attendance, and Clem would be sitting in the executive box where she would get to watch her commercial on a 200-inch holographic projection. She didn't know what to think of it all, and was really quite terrified to go by herself. Do you want to go with me? Clem asked Lester. He looked at her incredulously. Wow. Um, uh, me? Blondie? You for real? Well, yeah, why not? She said. I get to take someone, and you're the only person here other than Mr. Woolston who doesn't talk to me like I'm the caffeine bot on the platform. Oh, well, I mean, I'd love to go to the Super Bowl, but I'm just a lab tech, and I'd never be able to afford tickets myself. But I just figured, you know, you have like a, a guy. Clem blushed and said, uh, no, not, not for a while. Good-looking, successful girl like yourself? What fool let you get away? Lester asked and smiled. Clem liked his smile. Lester was average height and slightly muscular with black skin and thick black hair that was dyed blonde at the tips. Clem wasn't sure if she found him attractive or not, but she did find him safe. Maybe that's not a good reason to bring him, she thought. Maybe it's misleading. Miss Appleby, I'm glad you've finally decided to do this, sweetie. I'll notify Dr. Hyde that you are here, a deep-voiced and scarlet-lipped brunette woman said from behind the desk. A few moments later, Clem was being led back into an office. She'd been this far before, but had turned around and left. Good morning, Clem. So good to see you again. How's the advertisement for the big game? Dr. Hyde asked. Uh, it's all wrapped up. How's the update coming? She asked, barely making eye contact. 
She looked pale to him, and she was trembling. Ah, that's great news. The update has been so long coming with the oddities this flu season, but in all of our test groups we've shown complete and immediate immunity with little to no side effects. Even those who we allowed to show full symptoms were back on their feet and completely better within an hour. We've been really moving the product, too. Over half of our world's population has now downloaded the application, and we look to be over 80% within the next six months. Locally, we've now administered to 90% of the population. So, speaking of that, it appears as though it is time for you to join the rest of us and take the download. That's one way of putting it. She said, smiling weakly. Panic was beginning to rise in her chest, and her vision blurred in waves. It'll only take 30 seconds, Klim told herself. It'll only be 30 seconds, and then you can be done with it. The voice speaking more clearly in the back of her mind was screaming, 30 seconds with a giant piece of metal impaling your flesh? Run, Klim. You know you're going to pass out and piss yourself here in front of the doctor. Maybe not. Maybe they'll just go a millimeter too far with that needle and stake you right through the goddamn heart and you'll die strapped and impaled like some sort of B-grade movie vampire. Clem was beginning to sweat and she started feeling faint. The doctor led her to the injection room or the download site where she would be injected with the hardware for the application. Her body flooded with nanobots that would help keep her in peak physical health for years to come. There was a large stainless steel table with a pad on it. There were also a series of cushioned leather straps that evoked memories of that childhood trauma upon first glance. Clem was asked to undress to her bra and panties, climb onto the table, and lie down. She looked at the table and saw what she was so afraid of. Ten inches of steel like the stinger of a giant insect. It looked more like a tool for extracting blood than it did a tool for injecting anything. Clem, would you like to take the anesthesia? Dr. Hyde was saying, but it didn't matter. It wasn't the moment that it would enter her that terrified her. It was the knowledge, knowing that she was going to be on the end of a 10-inch metal spike made her whole body flood with nausea and fear. She looked at the machine and saw visions of her own corpse impaled, forgotten, and collecting flies. No, she said. Come now, Clem. I know you're scared of needles, but it is for the best, Dr. Hyde reassured her but Clem could remember too readily the first time she'd ever been given a shot in school. The nurse giving her the injection had gone into a seizure while injecting Clem with a routine shot. She had jerked on the needle so violently that the syringe broke, and Clem was stuck screaming until paramedics got there with her own blood draining out of the needle all over the floor as the school secretary and principal wouldn't remove the needle because they didn't want to be liable. Clem had already been horrified of needles, but ever since that moment, she couldn't even look at one on television. She'd passed out just seeing someone get a shot. No, I'm sorry, Clem said, pulling her shirt back on. I can't do it. Maybe next week. Dr. Hyde looked at her and then shook his head. She didn't speak to him. She just left, walking back out the way she came right past the receptionist who was smearing large swipes of lipstick on just as Clem hurried around the corner. The receptionist got distracted by Clem, slipped, and left a streak of what looked like blood across her face. Clem stumbled into the first restroom she came to, slipped on the long, sleek porcelain tiles, and vomited into the men's urinal. The day of the big game was overcast and raining. The air was so thick with humidity that Clem didn't know if having an umbrella would keep her dry. She looked at the rays coming through the clouds on the far side of the city and hoped they'd burn through and push the rain away. Of course, back home it is snowing, she thought. She finally got into the shuttle from the hotel and they took her directly to the stadium. It was hours before kickoff and the entire downtown was nearly suffocating under the weight of the big game. Tens of thousands of people were out in the street. Most were wearing opposing colors. There were men and women with their faces painted, stumbling in and out of the bars. There were tailgate parties going on in the parking garages and at meters on the street. Police units were coming out of the underground hatches. They stood looking like tall, broad-shouldered men, but they were anything but. 
They may look and feel real, but Klim knew those officers were 97% bulletproof and could lift as much as an old VW bug. They could easily run 35 miles per hour. They were made to be able to pursue a car on foot in any metropolitan downtown area. If you were looking for a way to dissuade people from getting too out of hand, it wasn't men in blue with big guns. It was the new robotic units of the police force. You could disrespect them and violate minor laws in front of them, but if you put the greater public in danger, whether that was a single individual or a whole group, they would stop you with force. There was no killing what you couldn't shoot, and you could forget trying to resist arrest. They were far too strong. Clem couldn't imagine having gone out in public without these officers. She also couldn't imagine living in the days where police and criminals could get in a shootout in public or when terrorists could plant a backpack and blow up half of a building with nothing more than cameras to catch them. These new officers could scan and recognize hundreds of faces at a time. They had algorithms running continuously to analyze behavior and body language. Clem remembered when they were first tested. At the time, the most recently designed software was installed in Officer Dan, a TSA safety robot. In one afternoon of observing people in the airport, he was able to correctly identify who was most likely to commit a crime next. He picked out two people who he thought were on the verge of suicide, and both turned out to be true. The software sold out quickly, and now, in every major city, there are plenty of Officer Dans looking after the population. Clem felt safer knowing that they were there. Then, as they turned up the drive towards the stadium, she noticed a man wearing a hooded leather jacket, and it had that same peculiar symbol of the flaming chalice that she had seen in the email that Jim had showed her earlier. His face was covered with a bandana, and he climbed down from his motorcycle and sat on a bench nearby, pulling his bandana down. He took out a laptop from a case he was carrying and began working on it very quickly. As they passed him, she noticed that not only was he working on a laptop, but he appeared to be accessing the internet by a satellite connected to his motorbike. She looked down the street for one of the officer bots, but they seemed as though they were momentarily shut down. Lester was waiting in the executive entry to the stadium. A tall man in a suit and tie was looking at him with a stern expression on his face. Hey, Blondie, Lester said. I had to wait for you. I had the tickets you gave me for him to scan, but apparently Calvin here has been ordered to wait for executive tags only. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Lester. Have you been waiting long? Clem said. Uh, no, ma'am. Just got here a few minutes before you did. Took me hours to get down here. I wish we could have traveled together, Clem said, somewhat embarrassed. I could have gotten you a room at the tower where I stayed. Nah, don't worry about that. I have an aunt down here who would have died if I didn't come see her for a few minutes. Anyway, I'm glad you thought of me. Let's get inside. Clem dug out a small metal ring that she had received at her hotel that morning. She handed it to Calvin, the security bot, and he scanned it with his eyes. And there was a small beep when the gate unlocked. Clem and Lester stepped inside and were greeted by a tall blonde woman and a taller, athletic-looking black man. Welcome to the Fleet Arena the man said. My name is William, and this is Laura. We will be your servants today. Anything you need, we will assist you with, as you enjoy the big game from the executive booth. As William said this, Laura blinked, large, blue, almond-shaped eyes at Lester. Clem saw that he tried to act as though he didn't notice, but it was impossible not to. A bit of jealousy rose up in her chest that she did not expect. She hadn't invited Lester here for anything romantic, so why did she feel the sting of jealousy? It doesn't matter. Even if he did, it, it doesn't matter, she thought. They are just machines. Clem looked at Laura again. She was flawless. Her skin was tan and smooth, her eyes a deep blue, and her lips were full. There was not so much as a blemish on her. How could I compete with that? she asked herself. Because I'm real, she answered. But she was surprised about her lack of confidence in that answer. Laura and William led them to the executive floor and then showed them to their private seats. 
They were at the 50-yard line and looked out at the head height of the players, which made it feel like they were on the field. Their window had several displays running on it with quick tutorials of how to give commands to your servants. Do you need a drink, ma'am? William asked, taking Clem's hand. His hands were big, warm, and far too real-feeling. He looked her directly in the eye, and she saw how green his eyes were. The expression, though confident, was lacking a small bit of humanity. She agreed to have a drink, as Lester did. The two servants left them momentarily and then returned. Should we go mingle? Lester asked. Sure, let's get it over with so that we can watch the game. The advertisement runs in the first half during the two-minute warning and then again at the end of the third quarter. How are these things supposed to work? Lester asked. Are we supposed to be social or are we supposed to enjoy the game? I think that we just need to be seen until the game starts. After that, most people will go into their own personal booths, Clem said. Mr. Woolston wouldn't send me in his stead if I needed to spend the entire time schmoozing. That's not really my forte, Clem said. Yeah, well, Blondie, everyone knows that you're the smart one, being the head of the Unity app. But what you don't know is how remarkable you look in that dress. Mr. W knows what he's doing sending you here, Lester said and smiled at her. She felt herself blushing under the gaze of his large brown eyes. She smiled at him and then the servants left and once again returned with their drinks. What else would you like from us? Laura asked. Could we put in a food order for you? Or perhaps you are in need of something a little more personal? She said, but this time Clem was shocked to see that she was looking at her, with that same little fuck-me look in her robot eyes, blinking at her with her long lashes. Uh, we, we are fine now. Clem said and felt amazed at the strange heat sensation she felt in her stomach. Am I really getting turned on by a woman robot? She asked herself. Just then, her phone vibrated in her pocket. She excused herself for a moment and then sat at a desk in the corner that overlooked the field. New messages, the projected display read. Below it, it said, Clem. I've responded favorably to the news that we came in under budget, and the final version of the ad you approved has also been approved by Mr. Woolston. Jim's message was cut short as the display turned to static. It looked like there was some sort of distortion, and for a moment, Jim's small projected face was replaced with something equally three-dimensional. It looked like a cup with flames, but then as soon as it was there, it was gone. Shit, Clem said. You cuss, Blondie? Never thought I'd have heard that. What's the problem? Lester said. Clem told him what happened, and then told him about the previous email and the biker she saw on the way to the stadium. That's a little weird, but I wouldn't worry about it, he said. Do you know that there's a whole group of people who believe that the world is flat, and that we're surrounded by a giant ice wall despite the fact that you can rent a spaceship party boat for, like, special events if you're rich. Hell, even someone with my dismal salary can take space flights. And people still believe in that shit. Don't fret, Blondie. The world is just full of weirdos. Mrs. Appleby, a man sat at the bar in the commons area. He was tall, wearing a gray suit that nearly matched his balding gray head. Yes, I'm Clementine, she said. Ah, Mr. Woolsworth's right hand. I'm Baron Smith. I believe we spoke on the phone recently. I remember uh, you wanted to gauge our interest in sponsoring a non-profit, Clem said. Good memory. Well, I won't keep you. I just wanted to put a face to the name. I also wanted to say that I love the Unity app. I've been a user of the sleep cycle system for over two years now, and I've never felt better and more alert. I was also glad to receive the news of the immunization update. Is it correct that the update is supposed to happen just before kickoff? Yes, it will be a worldwide simultaneous update, Clem said. Wow, just to think, Baron said, full of awe. Influenza may nearly be wiped out here in the States, and we won't even be aware that it is happening to us. 
We'll understand that it is happening, but we won't sense it. Not just influenza, but 95% of all disease will be eliminated from every person who has downloaded the application, Clem said, her face flushing slightly. She had never told anyone that she didn't have the application, and it made her feel like a preacher who'd never repented trying to sell the gospel. Even those who don't have it will be safer because of it, Clem said. What will happen to the human race if we can't die of disease? Lester asked. Currently, we have over 50% of the users actively using the birth control switch. All evidence points to a necessary 10% reduction of the population due to natural deaths and accidents so long as that rate remains. Well, I hope your programmers keep working their magic. I'm 65 years old, and I'm as strong as I've ever been in the gym. I sleep like a baby. I never hurt. I'm never sick. I've got a cock like an Alaskan moose, he said, smiling widely as he patted Lester hard across the shoulder, and then went back across the bar to talk to his tall black servant bot. He placed his hand firmly on her buttocks as he spoke with a man standing next to her. Charming thing to know, really, Lester said. I didn't know it was that kind of update. Well, he's probably just feeling a little reinvigorated, Clem said, and she looked across the room. Studies have shown that the Unity app can make a 70-year-old man feel just as good as he did when he was in his mid-30s. For you, the download probably makes you feel much different. But that's the trick. 20 years from now, you'll feel just as good as you do right now. Lester stayed at the bar for a while as Clem went and worked the room. There were executives from other businesses, husbands, wives, and servant bots. It was all very interesting until it wasn't. Clem felt like such a faker, not having done the download yet. All of the people around her were experiencing life in a new way, and she was just floating along, pretending. She took out her phone and typed, Jim, schedule the download for tomorrow at 10 a.m., have them give me the anesthesia in an inhaler. I'll do it, finally, but I'll have to be drugged to the point of being unconscious. A message came back in return. Ah, finally going to go through with it. I think that's a great choice, Clem. It'd be nice to know that you aren't going to catch one of those nasty flu bugs. Influenza killed nearly 700 people last year in the United States alone. Clem pocketed her phone and went back to speak with Lester. Just then, Baron Smith made his way back over to them. His arm was around his servant bot who was wearing a name tag that said Melanie. Clementine Appleby, he shouted, slurring his words slightly. He was obviously intoxicated. I tell you what, when I was a kid, with all the cell phones and the new tablets coming out, most people looked at technology like it was a necessary evil, something that'd kill us all someday. But here it is, saving our lives he said, slapping his servant bot on the ass again. She giggled at him, and then he pinched her nipples through her blouse. They hardened noticeably. Look at me! It's like I've never aged a minute, but by God, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be 20 years old feeling this good and strong and being able to do this! He squeezed one of the bot's breasts. Saving our lives, mind, body, and soul. You know I've never cheated on my wife. Thirty years, and I've never cheated on her once. And that's thanks to technology. I can do whatever I want with one of these walking sex toys, and that's not cheating, is it? I mean, there's no real connection there, is there? I'm just placing it in a piece of rubber. People have been doing that for over a hundred years. It's fantastic. A couple million little robots are circulating through my body right now, making sure nothing more fails. If my wife were here, we'd bring both our servant bots into it. No jealousy, just added pleasure. I hope you're enjoying your product as much as I am, Mrs. Clementine, because... Ah, <sighs> I could live like this forever! Ha! <laughs> Maybe I will! He stumbled off towards his private booth. As he reached the door, he tore the shirt off of the bot and then fell on her as the door closed behind him. I know he's not hurting a person in there, but he is raping the image of humanity right now, and that's become totally commonplace, Lester said quietly.
There was something in his voice, some slow building rage. He's right. There is no more connection, just continuous satisfaction of desire. Sure, he's never cheated with anything that has a soul, but wouldn't it be better if he did? Why do people want so badly to live doing whatever they feel like doing with no repercussions? Isn't the tragedy of it all what makes you feel alive? Don't we need to feel one another? Be close to one another? Man, why are we pressed to live forever, but to never feel anything other than the physical stimulation of our pleasure centers? Our technology makes us look like we've achieved greatness as we fight for the pinnacle of survival, living forever, but we're overcome by our baser needs and instincts. We want to live forever, and like this barren dude, just to have one more place to stick it. <sighs> Come on, Clem, let's go watch the game. The two of them went into their private booth. Their servant bots were sitting in the corner in power save mode. In this state, they looked less like people than they did mannequins. Clem was having trouble ignoring them after everything that they had just seen. Laura was a perfect replica of beauty, and so was William. Clem looked him up and down. There was nothing about him that wasn't visually pleasing. He was big and strong, with a square jaw and remarkable eyes. His hands were large and powerful looking, and she could see the telling bulge of fantasy squeezed into the pouch of his slacks. If he had a pulse, she would swoon, but Clem couldn't see him as anything other than a tool, a, a walking, talking vacuum. There was an awkwardness in the air until the game finally kicked off. She and Lester had both been in deep thought and seemed incapable of bringing each other out of those thoughts with conversation. All attempts floundered until the ball was finally kicked and the distraction presented itself. The game was fantastic. The teams were trading scores and the game was close. Clem could remember a time when football had nearly been ruined by medical issues, but technology had been just as paramount for saving athletes. There were no concussions anymore. Nanotech would repair damage as it happened. Many injuries could be healed in one half. Players hardly ever missed a game anymore, let alone half of a season. Because of this, the game had become more violent and more popular. The athletes had gone from looking like Olympians to actual images of gods. The offensive linemen weren't the burly fat men of the past. They were giants made of solid muscle, as fast as any skill player had been at the turn of the century. The receivers and running backs ran with animalistic speed and could perform maneuvers with a total lack of regard to their bodies. Pain was regulated in real time to a point where they couldn't feel it. Clem could recall a game once where a man had broken his leg in the first half, his foot facing backward as he crossed the goal line. The next week, he had been back in action and had run for 200 yards and six touchdowns. The hits were so brutal that the defense often scored as much as the offense, and a game that had once been a game of great strategy was now nothing more than a game of savage brutality. Clem's phone lit up again with an incoming message. The ad will go on the next commercial break. It will play over the Jumbotron in the stadium. Clem looked out at nearly 200,000 people seated in the stadium. She wondered if the people in the top 20 rows could even see the field. They looked as though they were nearly looking straight down at it. The two-minute warning sounded as the officials blew their whistles and the game came to a pause. The teams huddled as water boys and towel boys ran out to make sure the players were properly hydrated and cleaned. Clem watched as the jumbotron went black, and then there was a light, peaceful-sounding melody playing as a woman appeared walking towards the camera. In the past year, workplace production is up over 20%. Sickness is down over 90%. Sleep deprivation is down over 75%. Suicides are down by over 50%, while mental health has increased across the board. We live in a happier, healthier society, the woman said as a montage of blissful scenery played showing happy, smiling men and women of all races enjoying the world around them. 
The world has become a more efficient and happy place to live. We are reducing pain and injury and replacing it with chemical balance and harmony. Now, introducing the next phase of the pro, pro, pro process. The video was suddenly caught in a loop. Shit, Clem said, and her gut sank as if it had filled with lead. Something had gone wrong with the commercial. There would be hell to pay at the office, and she was responsible for all of it. Process is the upgrade. We would like to introduce the Unity application 2.0 in 3, 2, 1. Suddenly, the woman blinked off the screen, and in her place, there was an image of a burning chalice. The music changed, and there was a voice speaking. Corruption of the temple is a pestilence that must be purged. The voice cried out, and then the commercial resumed. What in the hell was that? Lester asked, looking at Clem with concern. I don't know, she whispered, and then reached for her phone. Oh, God, she said. Something horrible is about to happen. She could feel it. The emails, the man outside the stadium, and now the message during the update announcement. It all had to be linked. Jim, she said into her phone, but it was too late. The update had started. Downloading update. Installing. Process complete in three, two, one. The voice over the jumbotron said. Clem was so beside herself about the commercial that she didn't notice when the first of the football players collapsed on the field. Trainers began running out onto the field, but one of them tripped and fell. The crowd seemed to all be taking their seats in large numbers. But then Clem saw a body fall from the top rail. No, not a body, but many bodies. They rained from the highest section and tumbled down onto the sections below them. Now all of the football players were laying twitching on the ground. All of the men and women on the sidelines fell, some clutching their throats or faces, others simply collapsing as if a switch had been turned off. On the screen overhead, the burning chalice resumed in silence. Clem turned to Lester, who seemed to be just fine. What's happening? she cried. I don't know. Something is wrong. Something is wrong with the update. Clem, do you have the application? Do you have the hardware? No. Man, neither do I. They looked out, and nearly everyone in the stadium was now laying silent on the ground. Some appeared to be bleeding. Out in the lounge, there were bodies everywhere. The servant bots were trying to administer CPR to some. Others were making emergency calls. Others were sitting in standby, looking like standing corpses. Baron Smith came crashing out of his personal suite, clutching at his throat. The veins in his neck were bulging. His eyes were completely bloodshot and bulging like swelling balloons, about to burst. He stumbled towards Clementine with one hand out. His pants were around his ankles, and he tripped over them. His servant bot came running out, completely nude and covered with cuts and abrasions. She had a wire tied around her neck, and her fake blood was pouring out. She fell next to him on the floor frantically trying to resuscitate him as he coughed his last bloody breath. Now there's a book hunting me through the back stacks of the library. Why is shit never normal with Brett? Oh, Christ. Oh, this book monster that burst out of Brett's chest could be around any corner. Ah! Shh! Jesus! Brett, I thought you were the book monster. Nope, but really. Shh! The librarian's giving us a nasty look for being loud. In the stacks, no one can hear you scream. Because you can't scream in a library. We gotta make a run for the door. How's the, uh, the, the hole in your guts? Wanna put your finger in it? 
Ugh. No. No, not at all. Alright, we gotta get out of here, okay? On three. We make a run for it. Here we go. One, two, ha! Ask the book creature. The more you read, the more you know. And knowledge is power. That's all. Have a good day. Enjoy your time in the public library. I'll be at the reference desk if you need help finding anything. It's leaving. Yeah. Hate to see it go, but love to watch it walk away. What? Damn, Matt. You know what they say about hot librarians. What? That book monster has pages for days. Great God, Nurgle. I love a good book. That's it. I'm done. I'm never coming to the library again. Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warped Box Media. This week's story was The Update by Matt Cummins. Music by Brett Norwood. Remember, kids, reading is achieving. Hey, Monster Baiters, Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn, first, there's no shame in that. Just kidding, there's a lot of shame in that. Second, rate and review Monster Porn on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. It only takes a second and Not only does your verbal support keep us going, more importantly, it helps others discover this podcast and boosts our visibility. Blanquibella from Puerto Rico says, I lick your podcast. Thank you so much for making me feel, well, I don't know exactly how you guys make me feel, but it's good, which is what counts. And thanks for the great night's sleep. All the way from my bed in Puerto Rico. Love you guys, keep it up. Thanks for the awesome review, man. I mean, if it wasn't for your licking, that's like the only grooming we're getting, so that's great. Check out the Monster Porn store at monsterpornpodcast.com store. We're running a special where customers who order now will get exactly what they pay for. Follow us on social media to stay on top of releases, keep up with the Nermal Learns Earth webcomic, and to connect with us, say hi, we don't bite. Unless you ask us nicely. Safe word is, don't stop. That's it. Until the shark angels come, stay weird. Remember that reading is power. And Godspeed, strange cowboy. Porn Podcast is a production of Warped Up. Warped Docs. You're welcome for that boner, Zaza. No? <laughs> it complimented her bluish gray skirt. Suit. <laughs> I was I, I realized I missed it and I was just gonna power through and I was like <laughs> I was like but then the description doesn't make sense as much. It's like she's just got a bandana on her neck and she's topless with a skirt on. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Where does she work? Where is she? Hold on. <laughs> I gotta figure out who, how her assistant. Oh no, his name is Jim. I was thinking about giving this guy like a like this this program a British accent, but I don't know if I wanna do that. Uh. Good morning. <laughs> Wait, no, that would be like a, my problem is when I try to do a British accent, it slips into like Australian or like Scottish. It's I don't... funny because you're sounding a little Texan right now. Well, right? yeah, yeah. It's bringing <laughs> out the American in you. American. Good morning. Good morning, Clint. I, <laughs> wait, wait, no, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. What What are you doing, Harry? What, why are you... What is something they say a lot in Harry Potter? Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that... Shit, now that you're listening to me, I can't do it. <laughs>
Some of them are saying that though they think our neural linkage is working just fine, they are able to upload all of the current information they need to stay in touch and up to date. Oh, it's the sentence is fucked. That's what it is. <laughs> are you sure it's the sentence? Um, some of the, yeah. Are you really sure? It's my mush mouth. No. Um, okay. Some of them are saying that the... You need more commas, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Just more splices. Let's just... I have a fever. Let's... And the only cure is more, more commas. comma splices. Let's give my English tin tin professor a heart attack again over my comma splices. As you are aware, Mr. Woolston has decided that you should handle this... She didn't know what to think of all that... <laughs> Clem liked his smile. Lester was average height, but slightly muscular with black... Okay, so I do describe him as being... I say black skin and thick black hair. You just describe him as ebony, because that's sexy. <laughs> He's got an ebony nightstick. <laughs> My member am an ebony nightstick. My member am a 14-pound ham. Why, why is he a police officer? <laughs> What's that? Why is he a police officer? Why is he not a police officer? He has an ebony nightstick. Oh. <laughs> so he's a police officer. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so confused. What could you possibly mean by an ebony nightstick? Is it one of these? So, <laughs> donk. I didn't know you were black, Brent. Uh, Are you recording all this? I was also glad to receive the news of the immunization. Immunization? Immuni- <laughs> immunization. Uh, immunization. Isn't there immunization? There we go. Immuniz- immuniz- God damn it. I want, I'm wanting to like put an extra syllable that doesn't uh, exist in there. Immunization. Well, if you hadn't had so many vaccines, you wouldn't have to I mean, there was an awkward. That was awkward. 